All it takes is a click to listen to RTI online. Get exercise for your finger and exercise for your mind at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's Hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight. But we start off today's program with a fresh new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Thursday, May 14th. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio today is Shirley Lin. Hello. Up next, we'll be hearing about how Taiwan achieved a first in panda dentistry. Then Taiwan gears up for a summer solstice eclipse, and Taiwan wants you to buy its fruit. All that coming up next. Please stick around. today, uh, frequent listeners to our news uh, program, our news bulletin, will know that about a, two weeks ago, was it now, there was a very tragic story about a, a fire at a karaoke sort of lounge that oh, killed a number yes. of people. Mm. Um, now, some high school students, though, in Kaohsiung say they may have found a way to slow a fire spread in a building using a very interesting technique. Yeah. Okay, so what is that? Um, they have... This is an industrial high school, so I think it's a vocational school. Wow. They have something called, it looks like there's a teacher of, like, materials and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, not your typical sort of school subjects. Anyway, they've used oyster shells to create this sort of, uh, I wouldn't say fireproof, but fire retardant sort of substance. Yeah. And it's useful because we have about 10,000 tons of waste shells produced annually. We do love our seafood here. That's so, true. I mean, yeah. you can turn them into sort of so, like gravel, uh, sort of, for roads, but yeah, I've seen that done. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, that's kind of a waste when you can make it like this. So, well, it was kind of a very complicated science project. They were working for a com- competition that features innovations in science, and they won first place actually in the structural engineering category for this discovery. Right. Um, um, what they did was sort of uh, with the help of a chemistry teacher and structural engineering teacher, they made six boards and tested them out. They composed they were composed of different ratios of crushed crushed shells and wood shavings. Okay. So it's not completely ditching wood, which is a popular building material here. Mm. Um, and they burned them, which mm-hmm. uh, is something that as an as a high school student would have been fun to do. My chemistry class was a lot more tame yeah. than that. Um, and they found that boards that had at least 60% shell content did show fire retardant properties. And they would extinguish in anywhere between just over three seconds to close to nine seconds. Okay. So uh, the reason for this, and it's a bit technical, is that the density of carbon dioxide in the air around the burning boards was uh, 1.5 times greater than normal. So it's hard for the oxygen, which you need to have a fire, to reach the material itself. Okay. So it's not so much that it can't burn as it sort of snuffs it out. So, in other words, if this is going to work, um, then you're going to coat 
every single KTV rooms with this well, no, shell-like material. It's not. They're not like just pasting shells on the wall. It's not like an art project. They've no. crushed the shells and mixed okay. them in with wood shavings, and that's what they did. They made boards right. and oh, okay. and it has to be at least sixty percent shell uh-huh. content. That's why. And uh, they do note here that pressed wood is very popular here. In decor, I don't know why because we have termites. Or like maybe crazy. for soundproof or something. I don't know. I they didn't measure the soundproofing mm. qualities, but um, you know, pressed wood is cheap and plentiful here, but it burns quickly. And I think shells, which are usually discarded, could be used instead, is what they say. Wow. So uh, if you want to know, if those of you who know a bit about chemistry, um, they've got calcium carbonate in there, and then when you heat it up, that produces calcium oxide and carbon dioxide. It reduces oxygen in surroundings. Okay, that makes. Sense. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you need oxygen to have a fire. When it gets heated up, it releases something that stops stops the oxygen, stops from, the oxygen from, right. or removes it yeah. from the surrounding environment. So, uh, there you go. If something catches fire, that can sort of uh, snuff it out. Provided, I guess, it's a small fire. But yeah. uh, it sounds like an interesting uh, proposition. And like I said, we've got tons and literally tons of shells. So, it sounds like uh, something that maybe hopefully we'll find in a hardware store soon. Mm-hmm. Speaking of great advances, uh, Taiwan has made a, actually achieved a first in the world of panda dentistry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, I think uh, it's been what uh, the year before last when the uh, one of our pandas, I think the daddy panda, Tuan Tuan. Mm-hmm. We've right? got three. Yeah, we've got three. A the mommy, a the, and the a daddy, the mommy, and then a baby. He's not really a baby anymore. Not a, right, not a baby anymore. So we're talking about the father. For the it. father. Now I think he had a crack in one of his tooth. Uh, teeth, sorry. How do you manage that? You only eat bamboo. Well, hey, I'm telling you, when we were talking about bamboo sticks itself, you know, the the, yeah. the stem part the itself, teeth are designed it's really for that. tough, though. Yeah, but then you have to, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Pandas, don't know. like, between their reproductive issues and their <laughs> cracking teeth on their only source of food, it's not yeah. really, they don't seem to be very fit for anyone. Well, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't doing it right or something like that, so he got a crack. Wrong chewing technique. Right, right. And so, the Taipei Zoo um, got him a titanium tooth cap. And it's the very first one, not only on any panda, but, the, you know, it's the first panda in the whole world. That must have taken a whole lot of anesthesia. Because uh, I can't imagine yeah. a conscious panda oh, cooperating with that procedure. No way. But a titanium tooth cap, you know, mm. first in, in the world. Anyway, so um, with that kind of issue, and maybe, you know, who knows, maybe Tuan Tuan has some kind of dental issue, you know, like, you know, yeah. It's so, possible. I mean, how so, old is he? Maybe they decline with age. I don't, yeah, I don't know. know. You know, we have to make the math, do the math. But uh, so they decided to have an early on dental checkup for all the pandas, you know, this year, uh, earlier than usual. I think they had it in March, actually. Hmm. And um, But anyway, just reported about it now. And then, of course, that's the daddy panda. But we always really care a lot about the baby panda, which, like, 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 like we said, you know, it's not a baby panda anymore. Um, gosh, how old would she be now? But anyway. At least four. Yeah. And so um, up to now, she's been able to keep a pretty good dental record of zero cavities. Zero cavities so far. I don't imagine so they don't eat sugar, healthy. though. Cavities yeah. are usually like the sugary stuff causes that, doesn't it? You know, it? a lot of things turn into sugar. 
you know, I suppose a lot so. of um, yeah, but you bamboo, know, starch. Like- you know, I don't know. Sometimes you know they get. You remember they get like special uh, birthday cakes. How often though? And they're the, made of bamboo. No, they don't. <laughs> no, it's not a bamboo. It's so like some, ice cubes, right? It's like little bits of remember? fruit, though. I guess fruit, but- fruit. Oh, fruit. How often well, do you think... But that doesn't happen very often. Well, it doesn't get reported that often, so we don't know how often uh, they get fruit. I wonder how often there's they have a, dental checkups. Right. And besides, there's a lot of nutrition in fruit. I mean, hmm. you can't get all the nutrition in just bamboo alone. Anyway, that's just my thinking. Hmm. So, um, anyway, so the the zoo was saying that dentist checkup is, is... Dental checkup is very, very important to animals. And they can really affect their you know a food intake, like we said. and But, but anyway, so um, our Tuan got the very first titanium t- tooth cap. That's very important since he's going to have to keep up with good dental work and um, be able to, you know, have you know healthy food intake and everything. And he actually, the daddy, also um, had a, which I guess is not a first, it doesn't say here, a 3D, like total, like 360 degree 3D dental checkup uh, scanning. Scanning. Wow. So they anyway. really must have to knock them out for that. that I cannot imagine. <laughs> you keep saying that. Yeah, I know. Because you've got a rabbit, so you know how it is. Right? <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness. You never do that anything when they're wide awake. Yeah. No. No. And well, you can check, but like, I feel like they. Uh, you can't like they're not like a small animal where you can sort of get them no, to open their mouth. You I know, know exactly. So that goes the same for brushing their teeth. Now they it took do them they brush their teeth? quite. They do not how to brush their teeth themselves. So the zookeepers do that. And, um, yeah, uh, it, they've been having a good job at, you know, training all three of them to be really nice and goody when they, you know, when it's the time for, for the teeth to be brushed. Um, and I've seen, which I'm not able to show a picture, but it seems like it's a normal human size toothbrush, but then ex- like they taped some stick to it so to make it longer. Uh, oh. So, yeah. and so then it's they. Like a- they Extendable, extendable toothbrush. Yeah. Well, that is hard. That sounds unwieldy. Right. And and it's, seriously, it, it was all taped. How big are their you know? teeth? I've never. They don't show their teeth very often. Okay. Um. What, what's the What's the one? Um. Molars? What do you call it? The molars. The ones in the back. The one that, no, 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 no. The pointy, pointy ones. We're, we're talking about what? I don't know canines what those by canines. Cuspids. <laughs> yeah. They're huge. Oh. And I think it seems like if I hadn't gotten wrong, I think um, Tuan Tuan got a titanium a tooth cap on one of those, mm. the pointy ones. Yeah, mm. the, the vicious ones that can... Well, anyway. So, um, yeah. And um, it, it's really interesting because, well, of course, when it comes to brushing your teeth or brushing their teeth, um, you have to teach them to be able to sit still, open their mouth. You know, Sitting still brush. seems hard enough for them. They're pretty active. <laughs> and they also seem to use, uh, what do you call these electric toothpicks, where it shoots water Should into it? A and water just, yeah, your water pick, that's it. Yeah, so huh. they get their water picks too. Wow. Wow. So it's just comprehensive dental care. I know. Well, you have to, right? If you want to make sure that they stay healthy, we only and have healthy, three, it's true. And, entertain, and for them to be happy enough to entertain, you know, all of others uh, who go by the zoo. Zoo goers, zoo goers, <laughs> patrons. Okay, right? so wow. but that is quite interesting. So Just it's the a first little, ever panda titanium tooth implant. There yes, you go. Yes, a little bit of up, uh, update about our pandas. So I'm not 
sure how wise this is, given everything that's going on, but it has been around a month since we had a case of local transmission of COVID-19 here in Taiwan. So, next month, uh, two different areas of Taiwan, one on the east coast and one on the west, are planning a bunch of events to commemorate, or celebrate, I guess I should say, a solar eclipse that's coming through on, mm. of all days, this 20, June 21st, the summer solstice. Yeah. That's the longest day of the year, and we get a solar eclipse on top of everything. Okay. Um, and it's apparently an annular, an, an annular solar eclipse is what it says. I thought it said annual at first, so oh, I was confused. Is, is that not the same same? No, 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 no. Annular oh, no. means like ring-shaped. So oh. basically, the moon's going to pass in front of the sun, according to this article, and leave the unfortunately named corona, corona. the only <laughs> visible part. So it's not going right. to be totally dark, like a complete solar eclipse, but uh, still pretty cool. Uh, it's not going to last terribly long, about 58 seconds. Yeah, but it's like at 4.30 in the afternoon. So it's, it's perfect timing. It's the longest day of the year as well, like I said. So, so it's still bright out. And are we going yeah. to be able to see it clearly? So it's actually going to take a long time starting at around almost 3 in the afternoon and ending at about 5.30-ish. Yeah. But about 4.13 p.m. is when, like, the peak ring of fire effect is. That's, ring a, of that's, fire. that's just going to be one about one minute. Right. So I guess what day of the week is that? We better all go outside and check it out. But really, though, the, key, the, the real direct line, uh, even though you should be able to see it from here, is in the south of Taiwan. It's going to pass over from Taidong, and they're having an event there, and then mm -hmm. all the way over to the west coast, Jiayi, on the other side. And they're also having an event. Uh, again, I'm not sure mass gathering is a good idea or not, but like I said, we seem to have things under control. And I feel, um, I feel safe if it's outdoors. Okay, well, you know, mass so gathering. The, um, in, the one in, in Taidong, this event's going to have 500 picnic mats, and I'm assuming that they're going to be widely separated. Um, <laughs> Two and to a mat. They're going to provide, it looks like, a thousand telescopes. Wow. But you're not supposed to look at them. You're not supposed yeah. to look at the sun. They actually warn you not to look at the sun, which is, it makes me wonder why are they providing telescopes then? Maybe they're specially made telescopes. I don't you know the, the pinhole oh, um, okay. theory. So you can see it projected on a piece of paper instead of looking at it directly. Oh, okay. I've seen so, that. They do that right. at that one year when they had a big one in the States. Yeah, no one did that sound No one familiar. was looking at the sky. They were looking, they're projecting it onto a piece of uh -huh. paper so it's safer. Um, and there's also going to be folk dance and music. And you're right, the pinhole method, or wear protective eyewear is what they're recommending. Right. Um, and then on the other side, on the West Coast, in Jai, it looks, it looks like it's going to be even bigger, because it's going to be like two days of events. Oh. They're, they're pre-gaming the eclipse. <laughs> the day before is when they start. There's going to be art installations, performances, markets, observation activities. And uh, across the whole Jai County, actually, the wider area, they're going to have events, including they have got some famous sites. And I know that they want us to like travel because mm -hmm. the tourism industry has really hurt. Right. Uh, the domestic one, way. I mean. Yeah, yeah, people haven't been going anywhere. So they have events at our, I didn't know we had this, a Tropic of Cancer Solar Exploration Center. I know. Isn't that interesting? We have a solar exploration center? <laughs> I mean, I know the Tropic of Cancer passes through that area, but... Right. Maybe that's why. So and they have this museum. Per perfect. And also Alishan Forest Recreation Area, a very famous, one of the most famous tourist areas here in Taiwan. Also the High Heel Wedding Church, which is uh, yes. Shaped a bit tacky, but heel. some people like it. Yeah. Um, and the Southern Branch of the National Palace Museum. There's going to have an, there's going to be an eclipse photography contest. And it looks so far like that's it. Although I did see something in here about them trying to get people... <laughs> to enjoy Jai's famous turkey rice and fish head casserole. 
I didn't know they had fish head casserole. So, I knew I knew of the turkey oh, rice. Is. Turkey okay. rice is pretty famous from that area. Yes. Because we don't it's really like, eat turkey anywhere else in Taiwan. No. So I'd be interested like, to know where, where that idea came from because nowhere that's the, they seem to be the only place that has turkey yeah. on the menu at all. So braised so, like st- strips or turkey got, strips. It's very oniony too. On rice. Some sort yeah. of like fried onions uh, flavoring it or something I like that. I think so, yeah. Anyway, um, so they're going to have that. I'm not sure how that relates to a solar eclipse, but that's the plan. <laughs> um, any, any excuse to promote pro- sure. tourism. And I guess we'd better catch this, um, actually. Uh, here in Taipei, it may not be quite so spectacular, but they oh. say that about 4.13 p.m. on that day, the sun's going to be blocked and appear, according to our astronomical museum, which we have here in Taipei, more like a new moon. Okay. So, okay, they're going to live stream it, so I guess if, even if we're indoors, <laughs> we can still see it. There's going to be some lectures in the run-up, t- uh, and they're going to be starting on May 31st. Uh, you can mm-hmm. go to their YouTube channel. I'm not sure if they're going to be in English or not, but uh, okay. Um, mm. And they're going to also hold a special free exhibition at the Taipei Astronomical Museum on solar eclipses. Uh, that's going to go through October, it looks like. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And we better catch it, though, because the next one of these that will happen in Taiwan will be in 2070. And it will only be visible in Pingdong County. So even if we live that long, that's a long way from here. <laughs> I know. Um, and the next time that we will be so centered perfectly on the path of one of these annular solar eclipses will not fall until 2215. So I think we can probably cross that off our yeah. bucket list. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Of all the different industries that have been really hurt by COVID-19, one of the probably most overlooked ones of all is Taiwan's fruit industry. Now, you may say, oh, it's just fruit. But in Taiwan, yeah, just- <laughs> fruit is serious. Uh, if you've ever received a QSL card from RTI, chances are there's been fruit on it. There was a fruit uh, series, wasn't there? I'm, I'm sure there was. Um, yeah, people here love fruit to a degree that, I mean, it's very healthy. Mm-hmm. But uh, to a degree that I've never seen anywhere else. Um, we've grown, we grow a whole do, lot of different kinds of fruit Well, here. it's because we straddle the tropics, but we yes. also have temperate areas in the mountains. So we can grow a lot of things. all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. in just this small area. And it's very high-quality fruit, too. I know it's popular as an export. Uh, and this is sort of what this article is about. China is sort of the market that Taiwan's fruit growers have had to rely on. And I guess with no one going out and buying fruit, Mm -hmm. because they've been stuck indoors there, uh, it looks like uh, $1.2 billion U.S. is the amount that we lost in terms of income from exports of fruit during the first quarter. Uh, That's an 8.6% drop annually, which doesn't sound huge, but when you say $1.2 billion U.S. dollars, that is a lot. Yeah. and it looks like, yeah, China seems to be the main reason why the import drop was almost 30% there. And um, But the good news is that exports grew by double digits to the Netherlands, the U.S. I've never seen Taiwanese fruit because they label it mm-hmm. in an American supermarket. Which is a shame, but uh, yeah. anyway, well, I guess like places like Mexico and C- Central America are much closer. So, okay. and the Philippines of all places, because they they grow a lot of fruit too. Yeah. Their mangoes are pretty well known. Uh-huh. All double digit growth, and that's com- and Taiwan's fruit shipments rose. Let's see, to the, the Netherlands seventeen percent, to the U.S. sixteen percent, and to the Philippines thirteen point six percent. 
So uh, the the main winners of international popularity are bananas and okay. jujubes. Oh, all right. I've never had a Taiwanese jujube, to be honest. Really? I don't think, no, I don't think so. Bananas, definitely, but okay. uh, yeah, they're all double digits. And Canada and Singapore are also buying more of our fruit. Pineapples and sugar apples are the ones that have been doing well there. And uh, I guess the Council of Agriculture is putting up some marketing campaigns in those markets. Uh, they're trying in the coming months to get people in, I guess, Canada and Singapore, it looks like, to buy more of our lychees and mangoes. And the mangoes are coming into season soon, aren't they? Yes, the, they the are. The sweet summer mangoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to fruits, we're trying to get people to buy our flowers. Orchids are the ones that uh, we're famous for here. Yes, um, And they actually... Uh, this is in, I'm. This is pretty incredible. This was on Tuesday. They had the first ever charter flight for Taiwanese agricultural products. Okay. They sent twenty tons of orchids to Japan. Oh wow! On a charter flight of it's a floral flight. Floral I guess flight. is what you would call it. That's <laughs> incredible. Um, yeah, I think that we have a lot to offer uh, in terms of fruit and, uh, like I said, quality. I've often heard it said by people who know more about these things than I do that uh, it's a lot of it has to do with the temperature difference. Oh, I'm sure. Daytime and nighttime temperature differences seem to make a lot of what Taiwan does well work. Uh, apparently, it heightens sugar content or something like that. Oh, so okay. Um, yeah. So we got uh if you go into the mountains you've got these asiatic pears and mm-hmm. sort of uh crops that are sort of more co- cold weather mm-hmm. um and then as you go down into the warmer richer plains especially in the south where it's in the tropics you get mangoes bananas pineapples all the rest it's that's it's great and if you, at the very far end in the south you get coconuts as well so wow yeah you okay. peed on coconuts Okay, okay. That's, that's where they all seem to come from anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot to offer. Uh, it's good to know that our exports are growing. Well, it's been about one year since Taiwan officially legalized same-sex marriage, but uh, a lot of people are still feeling left out. Uh, the problem with the law, as it exists now, is that uh, transnational same-sex marriages are only allowed if the foreign party comes from a country that also recognizes same-sex marriage. And uh, as you may know, that means m- that leaves most people from most countries unable to marry mm-hmm. their Taiwanese partners. Mm-hmm. So volunteers uh, this week have started a signature campaign to petition the government to sort of drop that. Uh, and the goal is to get 10,000 signatures asking the government to remove these restrictions so that all same-sex couples can get married in Taiwan. And this is according to the Taiwan Alliance to Promote Civil Partnership Rights. They've mobilized more than a hundred volunteers with groups in Taipei, Taoyuan, Kaohsiung, Xinju, Miaoli, Jiayi, and Hualien counties, all sort of trying to get these signatures, and they're going to present them to the government on May 17th. So right now, only 28 nations have, I think there's going to be Costa Rica soon, um, but so, but still, fewer than 30 countries have legalized same-sex marriage. Taiwan is, pro- is among them, and uh, that means that most people who come here, even though it's legal, can't, you know, get right. married. Um, and, you know, more than 3,500 couples have been married in the first year since the same-sex marriage has been legalized, according to statistics from the Interior Ministry on May 1st. But hundreds of people are trying to get help. I've seen them post these really heartbreaking videos of people whose partners are from, like, Hong Kong or Macau, mm-hmm. and they've been together forever, and, you know, it's legal in Taiwan, but why can't we 
pick mm. part. It doesn't make any sense. So, um, and there are no similar restrictions on international heterosexual marriages. So um, they are going to organize a rally in front of the presidential office on May 17th to seek support. So that's coming up. And hopefully we'll get some, some progress on this. It has been a year. I think people who maybe weren't so happy about the idea to begin with are getting used to it. And uh, we'll see where things go from here. But Taiwan is uh, becoming more and more friendly all the time, more right. and more inclusive. Very good. Well, I guess this maybe has to do with um, some legal issues that you know might you come across it's, if they were to law, get married there's a law the law is the act governing the choice of law in civil matters involving foreign elements is the name of the law and right. they're trying to i think hopefully get that changed mm-hmm. but uh we'll see what happens all right anyway for for now i'm john van trieste and i'm shirley lynn please stick around coming up next it's hashtag taiwan taiwan explained and in the spotlight Listening to Radio Taiwan International. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Hello and welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. To give you a little background information on this week's episode, we're going to be looking at a campaign started by not one, but two U.S. government agencies' official Twitter accounts. Now, they're encouraging people to hashtag Tweet for Taiwan to garner support for Taiwan to participate in this year's World Health Assembly. Now, Taiwan hasn't participated in the annual meetings of the World Health Organization since 2016, but it looks like with how well Taiwan's handling the current pandemic, that's about to change. What prompted this campaign and how's the response? Well, that's all coming up next on Hashtag Taiwan. Don't go away. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is calling on the director of the World Health Organization to allow Taiwan to participate in the World Health Assembly later on this month. And also, the hashtag tweet for Taiwan is trending on Twitter. For more on that, we go straight to hashtag Taiwan with Leslie Liao. This week on hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you about Taiwan, the United States, China, the World Health Organization, and the United Nations. There's no catchy song or embarrassing footage of me this week. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, hashtag is going geopolitical. Taiwan and the U.S. have partnered to fight COVID-19, a move which China strongly protests because they see any direct cooperation with Taiwan as an endorsement of Taiwan independence. Now, for those of you who forget, China says Taiwan belongs to them. However, Taiwan has been getting a lot of positive attention recently for how well it's handling the COVID-19 pandemic. This video in particular shares Taiwan's successes. But the fact remains that China single-handedly keeps Taiwan out of international organizations like the United Nations or the World Health Organization. In the past, most countries didn't challenge China mostly because of diplomatic reasons that I am in no way, shape, or form qualified to speak about, 
But oh boy, did that change last week. Oh boy, did that change. On May 1st, an official U.S. State Department Twitter account tweeted the following. They said the U.S. firmly believes that hashtag Taiwan belongs at the table when the world discusses hashtag COVID-19 and other threats to global health. Before 2017, Beijing didn't object to Taiwan joining the World Health Assembly as an observer. What changed? Hashtag tweet for Taiwan. This is an explicit endorsement for Taiwan from a U.S. government agency, and oh boy, it does not stop there. There were a total of six tweets all supporting Taiwan's participation in the WHO. The office said, Is it too much to ask that Taiwan be permitted to share their expertise, their commitment with the rest of the world? Will the world succumb to the PRC's pressure and intimidation? It's time to be heard and time to hashtag tweet for Taiwan, hashtag Taiwan model. They finished their thread by asking people to join us to hashtag tweet for Taiwan's inclusion at the upcoming World Health Assembly so hashtag Taiwan can bring its incredible expertise to fight against hashtag COVID-19. The world needs Taiwan in this fight. Tell the WHO that it's time for Taiwan to be heard. They didn't simply endorse Taiwan. They started an entire campaign to get Taiwan into the WHO. But wait, there's more. The United States' UN Mission Twitter account made their own statement saying, The United Nations was founded to serve as a venue for all voices, a forum that welcomes a diversity of views and perspectives, and promotes human freedom. Barring hashtag Taiwan from setting foot on UN grounds is an affront not just to the proud Taiwanese people, but to UN principles. Hashtag tweet for Taiwan. For those of you that didn't know, if you hold a Taiwanese passport, it's likely that you'll be barred from entering any UN facilities. It doesn't matter if you're a journalist, a tourist, anyone really. Now, China has already expressed strong indignation and firm opposition to this campaign that the U.S. has started. And for those of you who are curious about how hashtag tweet for Taiwan is doing, here's something really interesting. Amal Sinha did an analysis of tweets that contained hashtag tweet for Taiwan between May 1st and May 5th. Out of 8,396 tweets containing the hashtag, he found that 32% came from India, 19% came from Taiwan, 15% came from the United States, and 12% came from Hong Kong. Now, I studied economics in school, so statistics like these really get me going. And that was the lesson we pick of the week. Did I fail to mention that? Yeah, he forgot to mention it, but that's okay. That's hashtag Taiwan for the week. Follow us on social media and do leave a comment below. We'd love to hear from you. This past Tuesday, the world marked a special day making sure that you have clean hands. And that's the subject of today's Taiwan Explained. On May 5th, the world observed World Hand Hygiene Day. And to celebrate that, in today's Taiwan Explained, we're going to bring you an epic showdown of soap versus hand sanitizer, or as my nieces like to call it, Hanitizer. That's cute. Okay, you have 60 seconds. Are you ready, Andrew? Yes. All right, go. First of all, let's start off with some footage of the health officials washing their hands on Tuesday. Now, it looks like they're uh, rubbing green paint on their hands, and that's because they are. The goal is to show that they've done a good job. 
Now, the health minister was quick to remind people that you should take the gloves off before washing your hands. <laughs> He also said uh, that any color soap works; it doesn't have to be green. And now for our showdown: in the red corner we have soap, in the blue corner we have hand sanitizer. So, which one is better at fighting coronavirus? Well, soap doesn't just wash the virus away; it destroys it. It breaks through the outer layer made of fat and protein, and the virus disintegrates in water. But you need to wash. Wash for 20 to 30 seconds for it to work. Now the cool thing is, is you don't need one of those fancy antibacterial soaps because any soap will do. So what about hand sanitizer? Well, it has to be at least 60% alcohol to work on viruses, but people don't often use enough, and they rub it off before it dries. So how do we use it effectively? Oh, you almost got it.、Enough. I almost got it right. Enough. Enough. <laughs> you know who the winner is, right? It's soap. Yes, soap. <laughs> soap works. But how about we do sometimes have to use hand sanitizer when we can't get to soap? Okay. So how do we use it effectively? So only again, if you can't、uh, use soap and water, you should first of all make sure that it's sixty percent alcohol, and then also you need to cover your hands completely and rub them the same way that you would if you were washing with soap、uh -huh. and water, and then leave it on your hands until your hands dry. Okay. Let them air dry. Let them air dry. Okay. That's right. And you you can't use it to wash off dirt and grease and like heavy chemicals. You still need to use soap and water for okay. that. Okay.、Yeah. And we have an exciting experiment today. That's right? right. So thank you to my assistant. So what we have here <laughs> is we have four slices of bread.、Um, we have、uh, first of all the control. So this one came straight from、uh, the loaf of bread. And then you see we have one here that says、uh, sanitizer. So we all touched that. The entire team touched that <laughs> after we used hand sanitizer. We have another one called soap. We all touched that after we washed our hands thoroughly. And Nally, I need your help with this one. Right That's、now? right, the dirty one. Touch、Can、it? you please touch it for me? <laughs> you get my hands really dirty. <laughs> Very good. So we're going to all touch this, and、uh, the results of this test. We're going to come back here next week and see what happens. All right, that is Taiwan Explained for the week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And today, my guest, his name is Darren Ye, who is the director of operations at Omplexity Consulting Firm, and he's also an independent art curator. So let's meet Darren. Hi, Darren. Thank you so much. Hi, Sherry. Nice. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. Now,、um, I want my listeners to know that originally you said that oh, I don't have much to say about my life, <laughs> but you do. You do have a lot to say about your <laughs> life because I was like reading up on you and realized that well, actually, you gave me your own CV. <laughs> you know your own background, and it's very rich background. First of all, you went to a military academy here in Taiwan, so you were you studied, you know, and. A military school, and then actually you had the opportunity to、uh, go on exchange at the、uh, U.S. Military Academy at West Point. So that's、yes. quite an honor.、Um, anyway, why did you wanted to、um, study at a military school? I, I think it's because of my parents. Because during that time,、uh, my parents know some people in military, and they they heard that、uh, military is a very stable and a very good.、Uh, You know, career to pursue. So my parents just give me, they just ask me if I want to try. So I go at the age after graduation from elementary school. So、mm -hmm. it was very very young. So 
I just, that's why I started my military career. Wait a minute. What do you mean by elementary school? You you started going so, to military school when you were just in elementary? After. Oh, after. After graduation af- of elementary school. You so went on straight to military school. high school. school. Oh, yes, military, military high school. school. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. Yeah, what was that like? Did you like it? I mean, you know, sorry, the rest of us might have a stereotype thinking why kids are being put in military schools. Is that maybe you were a naughty kid? (laughs) 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 Or were you? Oh, well, I was okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. But I will say just parents, they want their kids to have a stable job and a good career. So that it's kind of a recommendation to me. So uh, I just go and give it a try. And yeah, luckily I survive and I, <laughs> I, 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 I you know, kind of accept the life, you know. Yeah, did you, that's how it is. Did you like it? Uh, in the beginning, in the beginning, probably no. But uh, gradually, I kind of found that my passion and uh, my my goal in military. So yeah, I would say my military life was very very exciting and fruitful. Oh my goodness! What do you mean by passion? You you realize your passion was in military school at education. What do you mean? Which part did you like? Oh, mm, um, I. I was in the special program for English training because military they need uh, someone who is able to speak uh, different languages to be a military attaché in the future. So it's kind of a long-term training program. So I was one of them. So I had a lot of um, uh, you know Spanish training, uh, English training back in military, and that helps me a lot. So you have a talent for for languages. How many languages do you speak now? Uh, I speak uh, English, Spanish, and a little bit French. Oh my goodness, that's more than me. <laughs> well, wow, <laughs> that's that's really quite an honor. Okay, so then in the year two thousand five, you actually went on exchange to West Point in the states. What was that like? Yes. Um, yeah. This, so so in the every. Every year we select uh, two people and for exchange program, and I'm lucky that uh, I got selected to West Point, and uh, it was great experience. And then I realized how different Taiwan military and the U.S. military are. Yeah, very interesting. Really, what's the difference? I would say um, in Taiwan, um, the military they are more challenged than. U.S. military. Taiwan's military However, is more challenging? Oh, really? Physically, you mean? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, men- mental and physical. Men- mental yeah, and physical. Both mental and physical. Is that good or bad? I would say in a good way, actually. I, I, like, <laughs> I think it's a necessary training for human beings. <laughs> but, yeah, and then for, for, but, but for USA, it's very interesting because USA they, is a big country, right? So they have a lot of... Um, uh, international thinking, international relationship, connect. You know the the cadets were edu- were, were, were being asked to know what's going on in the world. But in Taiwan, we never ask any of this from cadets. Yeah, we more care about if you can follow the order for seniors. We don't because re- you know small country. We don't have that kind of big. I would say big picture of the what's going on in the world. Oh. So this very big difference, yeah. That is very interesting. And then um, the following year, 
you uh, was chosen as a youth ambassador or something, or something like that, some kind of um, youth leader by the uh, Dharma Drum Mountain Association, which is a Buddhist organization. Yeah, so that yes. was very interesting. How did that happen? Oh, it was a great honor and kind of a turning point in my life. I was in, invited to attend a forum in, in Dharma Drum Mountain, and then I'm surprised it was um, audition kind of for youth delegates to Taiwan. And then I realized this program and I found it very interesting and I decided to apply. And because during that time, um, Master Sun Yan was the, the, the chairman in United Nations uh, for, for religion. Mm. And then he can uh, invite, even though we are not part of UN, but we can still assign uh, 15 young people to participate at events and to participate at uh, World Youth Leadership Summit. Oh. So, uh, yeah, so during in that time, I, I met great people. And I went to this uh, uh, this trip and for two weeks, and then really connect to the world, and then to meet a lot of uh, uh, youth delegates. I think more than two hundred countries. Now I'm sure that you were chosen because of your strong language ability. I think. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yes, but just lucky, I would say. Uh, wait, another time you were chosen as an outstanding youth ambassador um, back in uh, yeah. 2010. Yes. That was part of a government program? Yes. Yeah, it's a government program and then uh, open to people uh, who is uh, yeah, above like 40 years old. Uh, they consider young people and they, because they want to select 10 young people on behalf of Taiwan to be, uh, to be a young ambassador. And it's quite interesting because um, in Taiwan, we select 10 young people. And China and the U.S., both of them, they select the 10 young people. So they, they call it the leadership program. And they want us to, I mean, to they, they hope us to become a future president. So that the triangle relationship is more easy to solve in the future. So oh. that's, that was a really good program. And uh, I also met a lot of uh, talented people during that time. Yeah, you even went to the States and visited the White House and also the Congress, the U.S. Congress, right? Yeah, Congress and congressmen, and they, they have dinner with us, and we chat a lot. It was really, really um, remarkable experience. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Okay, here's the thing. When you try to introduce yourself and you introduce yourself in Chinese, we wrote, you know, in the email to me, um, you kind of touched on three major factors in your life. One is leadership, which is what we're just talking about. And then the second is on, um, I don't know, business side. Um, so like yes. a business management kind of thing. And the last part is about arts. Well, we're going to get to all that, you know, in a second. But I understand that after you were that successful youth leader and everything, you decided to come home to Taiwan and start your own, um, sort of like your own program for training future leaders. That's very ambitious. Uh, I won't say it's ambitious. It's just kind of, uh, um, I would say, something like you pay back to the society. Mm. Because every year, every year they select uh, 10 young people. 
and then we're just trying to share what we have learned for them to have more preparation before they go to USA. Because, you know, it's invisible competition among these three countries, right? So if you go there unprepared, that that is kind of awkward. So we wanted to, we wanted to have uh, future uh, juniors to, uh, to learn how to make a speech, to learn how to connect with people before they travel to White House. Mm. This sounds very much like Toastmasters. You must uh, be. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's more than that. It's more than that. And then um, we, we also, we, we do this out of, uh, you know, volunteer, just, just a volunteering job. Yeah. Wow. Leadership is very important, uh, especially if Taiwan is thinking about globalization. Um, yes. We, yeah, we need to be, I mean, we're leaders in, uh, in a lot of areas, in a lot of different ways, in our technology and AI and whatever. But, but, you know, leadership is very important. So I think you touched on something that's very important about bring Taiwan to the world. So then brings us to the second part, the second factor uh, that you think is important in life. And yep. that is after your 10 years in military, um, as a real military officer, uh, you decided to give that up, uh, study job, and study the MBA at the uh, National Taiwan University, what it was? National Taiwan University. That was in 2014. So why did you want to go into business? Is it because of this leadership program that you started made you um, have a mind of you know going into business? Well, yes, because one of uh, one of the young ambassadors, uh, she uh, uh, her name is Bernice, and she is in that program, like uh, NTU uh, Global MBA program. And I asked how how it is, and she told me this is a really good program. And then I said, okay, I, I want to give it a try. So I just go apply. And then uh, what happened from there while you were taking that program made you start thinking about a whole lot of different things that you can be an entrepreneur in or something like that? Yeah, in this program, I found that I can be something different. So uh, I should not limit myself. I should try to discover my full potential. In that case, I need to quit my military job. You never regretted leaving military job? Oh, no, never, never. I, I think it's a process. And then I feel better after living. Yes. Right. Yeah, I guess it's a plus, a big plus to you know your future endeavors, like what you're doing now. Wow. And you know, you've traveled around the world, kind of. You also went out to Paris. And on an exchange program there as well, uh, sent by NTU National Taiwan University. Yeah. So we have an exchange pro exchange program. So I went to Dela uh, Bahi and for exchange program, uh -huh. and uh, also fulfill my dream uh, of living in Paris. Yeah. So uh, I I used to travel Paris in back in two thousand five. Okay. And I realized that like, Paris is my dream city. Oh, why and, is that? You know, I, <laughs> uh, well, I I love it. It's just beautiful. And uh -huh. You feel, you can feel the old soul, and you can feel everything is really high quality there. And you feel the the vibe, the people there, the everyone is artist, and you just the vibe is really good. When I when I study in Paris in ten years later in two thousand fifteen. I decided to decided to uh, spend a lot of money living in uh, Hui Muftah, and that is uh, uh, the place that Hemingway used to write the book called *A Movable Feast*. Oh, so uh, okay. I, I had a 
wonderful memory back in Paris. With such a rich background that Darren Ye has, there's a lot more they can talk about about his life. So do not miss out on next week's In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. The Sound of the Amis Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Dinner is served. Join Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights. Andrew, I thought we said no more intestines. That's on Feast Meets West, every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International, radio for refined palates. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. <laughs> 